this episode of What's the Hazard is being brought to you by these incredibly generous true believers in workplace safety and health. And I am truly grateful for their support. Custom Concrete Specialists, CCS Group, and Cheyenne Wolford. My buddy Jim Cover down at the Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group. Jim and all of his consultants. John Falowich and Falowich Construction Services. And our latest sponsor, Building Omaha. Building Omaha is a partnership between the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the IBEW, and the National Electrical Contractors Association, NECA. They pair highly trained electrical professionals with industry contractors to ensure they're able to serve customers safely and effectively. Building Omaha, the partnership that powers our city. Learn more at buildingomaha.org. Thank you all. We appreciate your support. All right, now let's get into this episode. Uh, this is Doug Fletcher, and you are listening to What's the Hazard? It is Friday, November 12th. There you go. Uh, as we have established through my <laughs> stupidity. Uh, not the 19th, it is the 12th. So again, thank you, veterans. I hope you had a great day yesterday. Um, I'm still here with my buddies from OSHA Consultation, the Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group. Had a really interesting discussion about consultation, the service itself, the value of the service, how to obtain the service. Um, I hope you all listen to that, and I hope you all avail yourselves of the consultation opportunity. This episode, I'm still sitting here with Jim and Anthony. We're going to talk about industrial hygiene. And uh, it's kind of unusual to have a room full of industrial hygienists, frankly. Yeah, they're kind of like unicorns. But all three of us are industrial hygienists or have trained as industrial yes. hygienists. And uh, um, I... Enjoyed it immensely, as I know you did. Yeah, and did. Anthony, you're obviously enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? and how old are you, man, if you don't 32. mind? 32. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had pumps that were 32-year-old. Oh, years old. Yeah, I'm working with some escort elves that are 20 years old. <laughs> no 20, doubt. 21 years old. So. Yes, 90, they are. 96 models. 96. Very good. Well, let's talk a little bit about industrial hygiene from a consultation standpoint. Mm-hmm. So this is part of the service that you offer, and you will actually, if, if an employer requests it, a qualified employer requests mm-hmm. it, you can come in and do an, an entire industrial hygiene assessment for them, do the sampling. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's what, the, what that service entails. Right. Again, a great service, as we know, industrial hygiene sampling can be quite costly. Um, so it really depends on the nature and the scope of work that we're going into. You know, but ahead of time, once that request comes in, I'm working with the employer to really figure out what are the health hazards in that facility. So, I mean, do you have a dedicated paint booth? Are you primarily f- you doing fab work? Um, are you just welding mild steel? Are you doing stainless steel? Are you working with galvanized steel? So ahead of time, I try to kind of do a little bit of research mm-hmm. and working with the employer to figure out what we're going to kind of focus on. But a lot of times, once we get in there, we find things that um, w- weren't communicated or the employer really doesn't have knowledge about. Absolutely. And so once we get in there, I'm doing some sampling. Okay, I find out, you know, you have, um, you know, a mechanical press or something that's pretty loud or you're shearing something. Um, and so we might come in and say, hey, I'm going to bring my dosimeters. We're going to go ahead and do, do some noise sampling today as well. You might as well. I'm here mm-hmm. all day. We'll, we'll throw it on some guys and gals and we'll call it a day to get you that baseline. A lot of times we find that people have not done, you know, established that baseline assessment or haven't done, you know, job hazard analysis or job safety analysis to kind of figure out what are the hazards of the jobs for their workers and then how are we going to mitigate those going forward? So mm-hmm. that's the service that I think we provide while we're out there. Yeah, that's a huge deal, man. That, that initial health assessment is really um, critical and I don't think it gets done all the time. I go into, you know, small to medium-sized employers, primarily manufacturing, but some of these issues exist on construction sites as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, we see them. We go to nursing homes. We go to veterinary yeah. clinics. Construction I mean, sites. Too. Everybody, mm-hmm. yeah, everybody has an issue. 
that is probably related to industrial hygiene, whether they realize it or not, and oftentimes they don't. Uh, and that is a big deal. So that initial assessment, even just identifying where these potentials exist, quantifying them, you know, at least examining them a little bit, that's mm-hmm. a big deal. And, and are, so are you working with companies who have never done anything before? Oftentimes they have no oh, yeah. health hazard assessment. or We run the gamut from those who don't even know OSHA existed to those we've worked with for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And, and you will do this maybe on an annual basis yes, for them or every other year or something? A lot of times if they haven't, we haven't known each other for a while. You know, if you've not, they haven't had assessments done much before. It might take us a couple, three years to get where I mean, if they let us, mm-hmm. where I think we're, we feel safe saying, well, yes, I think we I have think a you're pretty doing, thorough. Yeah, you're pretty I would agree. Now. I would agree that. I, and I feel the same way when I do this stuff as a consultant, uh, which is very costly. Right. And that mm-hmm. is something that that differs between utilizing state consultation and utilizing a third party is the cost I think we talked briefly about this in the f- in the previous episode, but the cost is not insignificant no. for a lot of this sampling for the just having an industrial hygienist on site for the mm-hmm. full day. And as you mentioned, er, I mean, we're, we're typically sampling for either the, the duration of the activity or mm-hmm. for the full workday, whichever mm-hmm. is longer, obviously. Yeah. We want that full day, whether that be eight hours, maybe 10 or 12 hours if you work extended mm-hmm. shifts. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, you're talking about the salary of the IH right there that you have to pay those work mm-hmm. hours, man hours. Then you're, in addition, you're talking about the analytical chemists that have to then in the laboratory analyze those results. And, uh, you know, the media itself is expensive. Mm-hmm, so we're is. talking about the cassettes, um, the media, the tubes, that cost, and then the analysis of, mm-hmm. the analysis of that cost, the posters to ship it, or ship it the there and The shipping costs. You know, there's and, a lot of costs. The, the equipment. And the, and the equipment. I mean, I rent equipment, right? So yeah, yeah. We, we just got done spending, what, almost $30,000 on new air pumps this year? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's not a cheap ball game to play in. It is not. No. And so then you got to calibrate those, uh, yeah. not only before and after you're actually doing your sampling. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these things require annual calibrations that you then got to ship in as well right. and get them calibrated and up to par. So there's right. a lot of cost. There is a lot in. of cost to this. And so, um, so what kind of things are you finding when you go into a facility? So you're, you're the... Mm-hmm. You're the lone survivor <laughs> IH right now, yep, as that's I understand it. it. So yeah, what, what kind of things do you see typically when you go into a facility for the first time and you're doing yeah. this initial assessment? Well, one of the first and most interesting things that I find is a lot, a lot of times in the places we go, there's not one person that is dedicated to safety and health mm-hmm. in a lot of places that we go. They wear so many different hats. And so you know, having that understanding coming in and realizing that this there's a lot of pressure on this one individual. Maybe they are HR. Maybe they're onboarding. Maybe they're also in charge of safety or, or loss prevention. There's a lot of different things that go go into this. So I start off with that and just building that relationship and kind of figuring out what do they know about safety and health? What's their education and knowledge and experience? Because then that gives me an idea of what I'm going to expect when we do this walkthrough. Um, But a lot of times, again, going back to that low hanging fruit, when we're walking through this walkthrough, the first things that stick out, you know, fire extinguishers are not being inspected. You know, you're not getting that uh, monthly inspection on fire extinguishers that we see. A lot of times they're blocked. They're not readily accessible. The exact same thing goes for eyewash stations. I see this all the time in mm-hmm. a place that is required to have an eyewash station, you know, <laughs> yep, um, eyewash station per the SDS. These eyewash stations not are, are not always properly maintained. They might have missing caps. They're super dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, they're crusted and crusted. You can tell they haven't been run in a while. Mm-hmm. There's no inspection on them. And so if, you know, you're looking at ANSI, those things are supposed to be tested weekly. So those don't happen and having a checklist for those. So th- those are some of the initial things that walk in. Mm-hmm. Then when we get into chemicals, you know, a lot of times people are not properly labeling their chemicals. This comes back to, you know, globally harmonized system. 
you know, recognizing what is the hazard of that chemical that you're using. And so a lot of times, especially in places where you have, you know, degreasers um, or you have epoxy resins or things that maybe are caustic and, you know, the, the labels wear off or paint that mm-hmm, covers it up. Mm-hmm. Solvents. Um, solvents. Up, we yeah. see it all the time. And so, you know, just having at least that product identifier and then somehow communicating the hazards that are associated with this. Mm-hmm. I see this. This is one of the most common ones that I always see. And what's interesting, I brought this to Jim uh, lately and, three or four places in the last couple months, I've seen, you know, welders using this anti-spatter that's full on methylene chloride and it's spray. So it's not just <laughs> methylene chloride, anti-spatter, like nozzle dip. It's full on aerosolized spray. And mm-hmm. there was a place I was at recently where they had a robot welder. I mean, he just wearing safety glasses was up in the robot welder spraying this anti-spatter all in there and it was everywhere. And I said, do you know what that, <laughs> have you ever seen that pictogram on that? Do you know what that pictogram means? And he had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, coming to find out they didn't have the for it and it was full on wow. methylene chloride so this is an example where you can really educate the employers and protect the employees by simply just getting different set of eyes on it so mm-hmm. doug as a, as a previous osha inspector what would that little setup have cost somebody in just fines right there well i mean there is a there is a reduction factor for being a small idiot <laughs> you know <laughs> but you're looking at I don't, eight grand maybe for the wow. just for not having the data sheet yeah you know, yeah. frankly, training, you don't have the data. Sheet. Oh, yeah. We always got a lot of training. Have you sampled for methylene chloride? Because that's a big no-no. Well, now, yeah. If you yeah. haven't done that initial assessment, so that's a citation. That's one that Phil likes. Yeah, I know. I, I used to do a lot of referrals based off of that one. That's why I mentioned it to Anthony that the yes. methylene chloride shows up in very odd and <laughs> weird locations. It does. But that's, you know, that's OSHA's go-to. If you haven't mm-hmm. done the sampling in almost every expanded health standard, certainly, if not just the 1910-1000 tables, yeah. you have to do that initial assessment. And it's nasty stuff to boot. So I mean, It is. In another facility it's recently, again, in the last four to six months, um, you know, they're in a mixing room, and, you know, there's hexamethylene diastocyanate in their paints, and they had no idea. <laughs> this goes back to having no idea. In addition, mm-hmm. this mixing room didn't have ventilation. It didn't have water suppression. Now, they're using supplied air when they're shooting it, but when they're preparing it in the mixing room, again, open canister, working with HDI, and just not understanding the mm-hmm. hazards associated with what they're working with. Mm-hmm. So this comes back to training, education, informing your employees. Because these employees, you know, they might be reporting some symptoms, and they think that's just normal. Maybe they're a little nauseous or dizzy or drowsy or they're a little tired or they're having some mucous membrane problems. Right. Well, that's how they feel every day. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so that's become the norm, right? That's the norm, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, they might not report this to their employer. Maybe they're frightened, you know, they need to keep their job or their paycheck, um, or they don't think anything of it. And then you come in and actually look at what what are the ingredients and what they're working with. You go through the SDS, that alone. And employee, employees are interested then when they realize that there's a health hazard present in the workplace. A lot of times they go, well, I had no idea. And mm-hmm. then the employer had no idea. So that's why we're here. We're here to help them right. out. Yeah, and, and, and how would they have an idea? I mean, let's be honest. As you mentioned yeah. earlier, you know, these things are somewhat sophisticated at times, mm-hmm. you know, identifying what the potential hazards are or when you're looking at a process, where are the potential exposures from that process? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not... That's not necessarily intuitive stuff. You really do need someone who at least has some experience evaluating these types of things. Yeah. And like you said, you know, people miss things. Okay, we we realize I'm welding over here. I see this big plume of of metals and particulates coming Mm -hmm. off this weld. So that might be a problem. But the fact that I'm spraying this anti-spatter over here doesn't even register with me that that's a potential problem. So I think you have to have somebody with an industrial hygiene background, and I'm not I'm not suggesting that industrial hygienists are anything special, look, but at least we have experience doing that. You know, I know a lot of industrial hygienists that are morons, you know. (laughs) Yeah. But 
Um, and not, not anybody in this room at the time, you know, but I'm just saying, look, yeah, it man, happens okay. occasionally. I mean, the law of averages kicks in eventually. Yeah, eventually. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, there are those um, CIHs that think they really know a lot of shit. You yeah. Know, you know, if you can do a lot of vent- ventilation calculations, but are you actually good at working with people? Are you actually right. good at hazard recognition and mitigation in real right. time in the workplace using your two eyeballs? Um, that's really important, that's you know, not just thinking on it. your feet, thinking yeah. on your feet, thinking mm-hmm. quick. And then being, I think the most important thing that I've found in being an IH in my short time is adaptability. And so you really have to be able to be a- adaptable in the workplace quick, you know, mm-hmm. cause you never know what you're going to encounter. Right. Um, we're, again, we're working with complex human beings in a complex system and in, in a facility. And so you're working with all different types of, you know, personalities and you're going to see things that you just have to be able to think quick and act, mm-hmm. you know, real quick on your feet. And, you know, and I, I know we've, I don't think you were in on this one, but I, I, twice now in my career, we've been to places that did have a good safety and health management program. They had baselines, they had good, you know, training, they had good HASCOM, and we were doing uh, metal sa- or welding sampling just because that's what we always did every year mm-hmm. to get a better baseline so we had more mm-hmm. knowledge. And in two different places, not connected to each other, we found lead in their base metal mm-hmm. and it was not supposed to be there. Right. So right. I had a few of those experiences. Had we yeah. not done this just because this is what we always do to try and be, you know, do a good job for the employer. How long would that have gone on before mm-hmm. somebody was irreversibly harmed? Right. That's and interesting. That, I mean, that that's not a normal thing, but we've, I mean, it's happened to me twice. So it has to happen more mm-hmm. than of course what we think it does. So I've had very similar experiences actually mm-hmm. in the last year or two with carbon monoxide. That one yeah. really blows my mind. Not only that CO monitors are not turned on in paint booths with supplied air. I see that all the time. They think they're protected. They have this CO monitor, temperature monitor, and then they're never turned on. So that's mm-hmm. something that employers can keep an eye on, but at forklifts, especially older forklifts that aren't mm-hmm. getting their annual, um, if they're not getting annually inspected mm-hmm. and they're not getting a basic tune up and, you know, even though propane, you think, you know, okay, there's a little bit of incomplete combustion. You don't think there's a lot of CO there. Multiple times, I, I walk around my four gas meter in these environments, you know, and especially if there's no ventilation and it's this time of the year where yeah. the white stuff's coming down, people are closing up doors and windows. And on multiple occasions, I've found upwards of 120 parts per million mm-hmm. just floating in the air from people running three forklifts. Mm-hmm. And again, employees have no idea. It's colorless. It's odorless. The employer also has no idea. And what, right. what's, the, what's the limit? I can't think of the limit off the top. Uh, well, like, time the OSHA is like 35. Yeah. Yeah. PEL is yeah. a time weighted average. I think 50, 50 maybe. Yeah, 50. So, NIOSH is 35. But oh, yeah. ceiling's 200. Yeah, so ceiling's 200. So you're already talking about being yeah. close to that ceiling. Now, IDLH is way up in the thousands. And that's interesting. So that, that's an interesting comment. And and, uh, talking about here in Nebraska, we are entering that time of year where the doors That's close, right. the overhead mm-hmm. doors come down. We don't get as much ventilation, certainly not as much makeup air yep. moving through these facilities. And so we can expect these exposure levels to go up. Mm-hmm. You know, at least the concentrations will go up. Um, I don't know that everybody appreciates that. One of the things that I was always most frustrated with was people would pull a sample and they would be done. Yeah. You know, on Tuesday... You know, August 4th, 1996, we sampled this welder, and so we have based our entire industrial hygiene strategy on a sample. Mm -hmm. And that's not a great strategy, obviously. There are so many variables that go into this. You know, time of day, the year, the the level of uh, activity in the facility. I mean, all of those things change continuously. And so more is better 
which again is another reason why consultation is such a good option. You can pay me. And again, I'm not trying to like turn business away. Sure. If I've done this for you in the past or, or you like what I, that's great. But at five grand a pop or 10,000 bucks a pop, whatever my visits cost you um, to do this through consultation, can you go back more than once? I mean, can you go back year if, after year if a company oh, requests year after it? year, yeah, we can go back every year as long as you want us out. Yeah. Uh, in some certain cases, if we run into something that's a little challenging, we might be able to come back a second time within that year just, just to do sampling. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, you can have us back every year for the duration of your ownership of the company. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, you mentioned something about, though, if you identify an overexposure mm-hmm. based on an expanded health standard, there may be sampling that has to be done on a more frequent basis. Mm-hmm. There might be quarterly sampling due or semi-annual sampling or something. That yeah. may not be something that you can do necessarily, or is that all negotiable? It's sort of negotiable. It kind of depends really on the backlog at the time. Mm-hmm. It depends. You know, there, within our policies and procedures manual, there is some. You've some, read that? Unfortunately. Oh, my <laughs> yes, God. I Where have. did you find this guy? <laughs> it's not that long. It's <laughs> right. not that okay. long. I told you it was dedicated. Oh, oh, good for you, man. No. Um, it says in there we can go back there um, and, and help out. We can maybe do some training and education, or we can do some resampling to mm-hmm. help the employees out. But, again, if I have a backlog and I'm a year out, and I have a lot of you know employers who are wanting this service and they've never had us out initially – and they're high hazard and they're small, we're mm-hmm. going to try to place them on priority. Um, there's a lot of great laboratories out there where you can rent equipment and rent, mm-hmm. rent these samples and cassettes at an affordable rate. And Absolutely. I, and I'm happy to help, you know, coming back mm-hmm. to training and education. I'm happy to I love help, that, man. help yep. these employers. I um, love that. Teach we, them how yeah, to sample. We've, we've set, or I've set up several companies, you know, with, with Hex Chrome and Silica mm-hmm. having to do the quarterly sampling. I help them set up their own program where they right. can do it in-house, but still have us come out once a year to backstop them. So at right. least one of their four samples a year was us. Yes. I do the same and thing. And then we yeah, can yeah. compare it. So I mean, I mean it, it, it's something we can do. It just takes a little bit of, you know, a little bit of work and a credit card because you have to set up a, an account with a lab somewhere. Right. But they're very easy to work with. I, I haven't had any problems with any of them. I, I work with two labs, one in particular. They are mm-hmm. outstanding. And mm-hmm. I do the same things. I don't think it's, you know, I don't want my clients to have to pay me to come out quarterly or semi-annually if it's yeah. something that I think they can do yeah. and they can, you know, we can teach them how to do the sampling and they can utilize the lab, the laboratory technical people are outstanding. Mm-hmm. And we're um, there for that ongoing assistance. Yeah. If they want to email or call and go over the results right. yeah, and we, the analysis, we're happy to help them with that. That there sometimes is, is the real, there is no limit on emails or phone calls. Yeah. In, and that, that can be challenging time. at times. Interpreting the information you get back mm-hmm. from the laboratory yeah, might definitely. require somebody that does that. Yeah, That's sometimes laboratories record. aren't, you know, they're maybe they're reporting the wrong numbers or they're not giving you time-weighted averages and people right. don't know how to calculate that. You have to that. do a little manipulation with the numbers, perhaps. Yeah, so we're there to help them out with that. We're there yeah, to that's, that's really outstanding, too. I, and I think that's a that's, it's huge because, you know, to pay somebody to do that on a quarterly basis is really prohibitive, the cost is. Or if you have an IH on staff or something, perhaps, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. your insurance company can do some of this, but... I'll be honest with you, man. I've never been overly impressed by the insurance company hygienist. No disrespect intended, no. Or, or maybe there was. Well, but you know, when, yeah, I, yeah. when I first started, there was a lot of insurance companies doing that. Mm-hmm. And the poor guys doing it, their workload was so intense that they would only be able to stay someplace for like two to four hours. Mm-hmm. Well, we all know that OSHA doesn't operate on that. Yeah, they pull, their, they pull their hour yeah. and 15-minute sample for an eight-hour yeah, day. Yeah, and, and call it good. Yeah, and it doesn't really work out too well for the yeah. company when OSHA shows up and says, yeah, that, that hour, 15 minutes isn't going to cut it. I'm not taking that. Right. Um, exactly. Like you said earlier, Doug, a lot of times they may establish this initial baseline. I was at a place and read through an insurance IH report and it was done in 2009. 
So what product or, you know, production or processes have changed since 2009? But again, they have this one report where they sampled back in 2009. Mm-hmm. So they can, they think they're covered. Well, if nothing else, the employees have changed. And, yeah, you know, definitely. the employees have a big impact on, mm-hmm. you know, these exposure issues and concentrations and things. Even the way they work, the way they orient themselves to the work, all of those things go into this. And mm-hmm. so it's, um, yeah, it's not really something you want to rely on ancient data for necessarily no. no i think they i always kind of went by three years was kind of my rule mm-hmm. of thumb but mm-hmm. even in three years there's even if you don't think there's been changes there's been changes there's been changes mm-hmm. without question so i mean yeah and if you've looked at a price schedule from a lab anytime lately if you need a baseline assessment and welding samples are what 150 bucks a pop now to have mm-hmm. an analysis just for those metal profiles yeah. Yeah, or whatever yeah. and we get you know like most most private industrial hygienists have to pick and choose which ones you ask for mm-hmm we get the full spectrum. So right. literally everything that pulls off the mass spectrometer gets reported back to us. Mm-hmm. So if there are any surprises that in, you, you didn't ask for, didn't anticipate, they always show up on our on right. our sheet. And you get those as part of our report. Do, does the, do you guys utilize Wisconsin? Yes. Yep. Yes. The lab? Okay. Uh, I remember when I was with OSHA, we used Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. yeah. the yeah. lab out there. And uh, great guys. Uh, you know, in fact, I went out to that industrial hygiene chemistry course out in Salt Lake City with one of your former colleagues. In fact, Phil, me, and uh, Gravy went out to that course. <laughs> Nerded out a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, um, and, and I mentioned Phil, Phil Pasali, who is one of the IHs at the local, at the OSHA enforcement office here in town. Phil Excellent Lone, industrial hygienist. Lone survivor. Yeah, he is Almost. too, right? Yeah. I think they have a couple of newbies or whatever, but, you know, Phil is the brains behind the industrial hygiene operation at, at, at OSHA. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. He's a, he's a bright kid. He knows what no, he's he, doing. He is bright. He's a real good industrial hygienist. Um, so talk a little bit about the kind of things that the services that you can provide from an industrial hygiene standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, most commonly noise. I mean, yep. everybody has, if you have a business, if you do anything, you have noise. And you mm-hmm. probably, unless you are a, a, like a massage parlor or something, maybe, yeah. or something. Who, who would not have high levels of noise in an occupational setting? Anybody? Uh, maybe Tele, maybe, telemarketers, perhaps, yeah, or something? Maybe doctor's home, office. Maybe, yeah. Nursing home may not have high yeah. levels of noise other than grandma. Maybe the memory, unit, the memory unit might be a little loud. <laughs> right, but, exactly. Yeah. But everybody else, right? I mean, yeah, almost yeah, everybody yeah. has a noise exposure issue. Yeah, yeah, we see it a lot. I mean, that's one of the most commonly requested. I'd say in addition to welding. I mean, I do mm-hmm. half my visits are probably welding. Um, but there's always noise thrown in with mm-hmm. that as well. And what much. other kind of things have you been doing? Yeah, we do paint. We do a lot of paint, solvents. So mm-hmm. we'll do a solvent scan. You know, we're picking up anything from xylene to toluene. You know, we're looking for mm-hmm. any of those things. A lot of times you see these solvents used to wipe down parts mm-hmm. um, or they're used to clean guns. So, you know, we're doing that personal sampling. Sometimes we might throw a few area samples in there for fun. Again, we're there to help out and try to get a really broad um, establishment of the exposure. Um, but uh, noise is primary. We do a lot of welding. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of paint. Um, you know, if, again, if I'm in a nursing home, that changes the scope a little bit, but I'm looking more at needle sticks and bloodborne pathogen right. exposures. Right. I'm making sure they have that post-exposure plan, you know, tight. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things. Well, you mentioned like silica. You guys yeah. are doing silica. Where do, where do you see silica? I find it mostly, every, but these, the, yeah, everywhere. the countertop shops, you know, mm-hmm. those are one of the biggest places. Anyone working with, um, you know, any type of courts, um, I see that a lot. We see, and everywhere I go so far, I've gotten them overexposed with, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the new standards, you know, they're over that 50 micrograms a lot. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time, obviously stone cutting, um, any type of masonry work. Uh, we see that, but these countertop shops and it's, what's interesting. It's you, 
a lot of times this process, these processes are automated now. So, you know, the, the, and they're cutting wet. So they mm-hmm. have um, a wet saw and it's, it's away from the, there's a lot of distance between them. Like and the a CNC type of a setup or something. It's just programmed and yep, it just programmed. Cuts. It cuts, you know, they got the pre-programmed cuts and they're, they're away from that cut and it's wet. So, you know, if you're looking at crystalline silica and we're talking about things that are, you know, one micron, um, of course they can be, you know, aerosolized and they're very small, but when they're, they're wet and in those droplets, there's a lot less exposure. But what's interesting, what I've found a lot of overexposure is in the polishers. So when the polishers are polishing and they're polishing wet as well, these are where I'm getting the numbers mm-hmm. that are over that 50 micrograms. They're polishing by hand. These hand are guys polishing. that are right on top of that. Yep. They're not wearing, usually never wearing any respirators. They might right. be wearing safety glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I, I, I keep finding them overexposed often. Interesting. So, and it's really the proximity, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they're on top of this. That's yep. right where they're generating that. Exp- and as you and I both know, <clears throat> without mentioning any, any names, um, cutting wet does not guarantee yeah, does an not underexposure. Guarantee it. Yes. <laughs> you know, I've, yeah, I've, as we always thought. It does as not. we thought. You know, and again, mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, it is a recognized control strategy. I mean, using water to, to you know, suppress dust mm-hmm. uh, works. To an extent. To, to an extent. extent. Yep. Yeah, which is interesting. So, yeah, don't make assumptions about some of these things. I think a lot of employers make assumptions about their exposure. Well, mm-hmm. I don't smell anything or, well, nobody complains about it or, mm-hmm. well, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't see it. That, that, that's a dangerous You know, there, 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 there's one other thing. When you mentioned paint booths. There's been a large migration away from solvent-based paints to water-based paints, and mm-hmm. everybody thinks that, okay, we've done that, we're fine. There are still things in your water-based paint that aren't water, mm-hmm. and they still need to be monitored mm-hmm. when you're working with them. That's and a great so, point. And that's, and that's got a lot of people short Yeah, because it is safer for sure, but mm-hmm. the, if you still haven't done the, the assessment, you're still guilty of that. Yeah, you might not assessment. blow yourself yeah, up. Yeah, you're not going to blow but, up. <laughs> but yeah. that doesn't mean you're yeah, not so, overexposed or potentially you know, overexposed. The paint booth, I mean, that's that used to be the, if OSHA walked in and saw a paint booth, they started rubbing their hands together. Oh, yeah, know, salivate. Because they just, they, yeah, I made my, my 3.5 per visit inspections <laughs> right. without even walking Off the through paint the front booth. door. Yeah. Absolutely, I totally agree. That was kind of how it worked. Another um, interesting thing that I found, I think that our service provides is that again, that comprehensive evaluation. I was at a place that, you know, is working with PVC dust. And so from an OSHA perspective, they're going to just look at that as respirable dust, maybe a nuisance dust. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to bring out our cyclones. We're going to do our sampling and make sure that they're not over that five micrograms. Well, when you actually kind of like dig into the literature, I'm not going to say that I did that, but I read a couple articles about polyvinyl chloride dust mm-hmm. and there is, you know, some, some studies that show an association with lung cancer. While, again, if you're looking at OSHA, OSHA, you know, again, practical, feasible, what the employer can get by with. Well, they don't have anything for PVC dust. There's no exposure limit right, for that. Right. So that's where I... They uh, just lump that into the general dust. They just lump it in, but there is some additional hazards associated with that. And, you know, same thing with, you know, lead. We go to a place that's maybe, you know, a lead foundry, you know, and they're under that um, 40, you know, they're they're looking at the OSHA standard and they're, you're trying to be under that 40 number and you're trying to make sure your blood lead levels are low. Well, if you actually, again, dig into other, you know, governing bodies um, and you're talking uh, about what epidemiologists track in accordance with CDC, you know, you really should have no blood or lead in your blood at all. Right. Right. And so they have these, they have these cutoffs, you know, at, at maybe five or 10. Well, OSHA, as long as you're below 40, you're good, but are the employees good? And so I think we come in and we don't hold them to those other numbers that I was referring to, or maybe the PPC dust thing, but we try to inform them and educate mm-hmm. them and say, hey, you know, we might use some ACJH numbers. We throw in those TLVs in our report mm-hmm. because we say, yes, you're under OSHA, but if you're, you know, really focused on employee health and wellness, these are some other numbers that you mm-hmm. should consider. Absolutely. So we always bring that up. Right. And that, 
Well, you make an interesting point because while I was an, as an industrial hygienist with OSHA, I was the uh, industrial hygiene team leader for a while. You know, that's interesting because OSHA is so fixated on the legal aspects of these violations that oftentimes the, the well-being of the employees gets kind of lost in translation sometimes. And there were obviously situations where you were pretty sure that the OSHA PELs, you know, the OSHA limits mm-hmm. weren't protective enough. Yeah. There's certainly a lot of, you know, I mean, we're working some of those regulations were created in the 40s, yeah, 50s, yeah. you know. And haven't changed them. And they've tried, but they haven't been able to change them. Again, because of the cost-benefit analysis, someone did, you mm-hmm. know. But, man... I wasn't always really comfortable knowing that somebody was, you know, a microgram below the PEL yeah, or, or yeah. below the action level, whatever, and uh, that everything was going to be copacetic. Because once yeah. again, this is one, this is a snapshot in time. Mm-hmm. The OSHA sampling, again, is just one snapshot and either you're above or below. And a lot of decisions are made based on that number on that day, mm-hmm. on that occasion, under those conditions. And Man, that's not a great way to. No, it's never that black and white. It is well, never that black and white. And that you know, that's where I think when the the folks that I've worked with over the years, Anthony is now too, where they have us come back out every year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. We're starting to get you know, we're getting that you know, it's a it's a great insurance policy if nothing else. Now we don't we don't have just a snapshot. We have a history now of what you've been doing over the years, and then say something bad does turn up or happen, you have that to show that you were doing your due diligence. Right, right. That's a big deal. And your insurance companies like it too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. they do. Yeah. Hey, guys, I want to do a small business spotlight for you. Um, we have been working recently with a company called Wicked OSHA. Uh, Brent Colvin and his team have come up with a really useful solution for safety and health management for small contractors. Uh, it is an app-based system that helps you develop and manage your safety programs, your training, your documentation. I know this is incredibly challenging for small businesses like roofing contractors, small specialty trade contractors, and frankly, anybody that has a mobile workforce, I think this would be incredibly useful. So go check out Wicked OSHA. It's at wickedosha.com and see if this might be something that you would be willing to give a shot. I think there is a free trial opportunity. And so um, in in what I've seen of it, I think this is going to be incredibly useful so go take a look at it. Well, so say there's a company out there listening. They want an industrial hygiene survey. How do they do that? Same as uh, any other? Same exact way. Call me, 402-471-4717, or go on the on our webpage and, and enter into the, the portal and fill out the card and submit it. And, and I can request specifically an yes, industrial hygienist yes. to come out? It's completely, everything is at your demand. I mean, you, okay. can, you can do as little or as much as you want. Okay. Um, yeah, we tell employers they run yeah. the show. Once yeah, they submit that health and safety and we contact them, you know, then we communicate with them and, again, let them know that this is their visit. You know, we're not there to tell them what to do. Oh. You know, we were going to point out those hazards, and they do need to fix those, especially mm-hmm. if they're serious hazards. Um, but in terms of what where they want us to focus or what they want us to sample for, um, that's something that, you know, we mutually agree upon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and, there, and there's even a mechanism if, you, if we get on site and you're just not comfortable with it, and you're just not feeling it, you can tell us, you know what, Anthony and Jim, I, I think I don't want to do this anymore. Interesting. And we can shut it off at that point. Now, say if we've identified any hazards up to that point, we still have to discuss sure, those and fix sure. those. That's what we but, do. But if you say, Jim, Anthony, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. I just can't. 
Mm-hmm. We'll say you bet. We'll pack up our and stuff. And, yeah, we'll no we'll, harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. We, you know, we'll just address what we've covered so far wow. and walk out the door. And so, in closing, let's 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 recap something. So, I'm not paying for the analysis. I'm not paying for your time. I'm not paying for shipping and handling. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying for the equipment rental. I this is free. There totally. is no cost there to is no this. Cost. The only small cost that may come out, and depending on what we find, especially. Again, with those exposure limits that we find, uh, maybe you need to you need some increased ventilation, mm-hmm. you know, or some electrical that could cost you a little bit on the back end. Sure. Um, or you need to implement, you know, respiratory protection, and now you're talking about fit testing. You're talking about investing in respirators. Those things may come, but more and more in this day and age, we're not finding a ton of overexposure. No. So that's an important right. note to take home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but having that baseline established is really important. And there may be some costs associated with what you have to implement. But at the end of the day, those are so much minor compared to what I was going to say. Those implementation costs are nothing so compared small. to the cost of poisoning someone mm-hmm. or killing someone at work or those kind of things. So th- those, uh, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Those, those costs are, are nothing. Yep. You know, just Agreed. do it. To get it and, done. Uh, this is excellent, guys. How did you come to work for the state, man? You sound like uh, you should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. No, no, no. No, the state's good. We have, it, it is great. Yeah. It is great. And the, the work that you do is really important. You know, I, I, I'm grateful for what you guys do for mm-hmm. our state. As crazy as it sounds, I used to work for this woman that used to say, I would like Nebraska to be the safest place in the country for people to work. And I used to think, oh, Jesus, are you kidding? I mean, like. Just on and on, she would drone about this stuff. Well, now that I'm out of OSHA, now that I'm doing this as a consultant, I, I would like to see Nebraska be the safest place definitely in yeah. the country for people to work. And I yeah. think we there are a lot of resources, there are a lot of tools, there's a lot of uh, institutional knowledge in our state. You guys are a big part of that. I hope people will take advantage of that opportunity because it's a great service. You know, and like I said, anybody who has questions, you know, big, small, if you just want to fill this out, Call me, call Anthony, send me an email. I mean, do, you know, whatever, stop, you know, right. you know, I can even arrange a meeting with you face to face at your place of employment, you know, right. Maybe not if you're in Scott's Bluff tomorrow, I can <laughs> be able to pop out there. Yeah. But yeah. I can, of course. I can show up, you know, a lot of places. If I just have a little, you know, if I have somebody ask for some help, I can be there. I agree. No more excuses, guys. I think everybody that qualifies for this service needs to take advantage of it. Uh, everyone would, would be better off for having done so. so 100%. Anthony, it's a pleasure to meet you, man. You too, Keep Thanks up the good work. Appreciate it. Thanks That's for having us on. Jimmy, always good to see you, buddy. Thank you, And uh, I know you have some exciting meetings to attend this oh, afternoon. Oh, always. So you we'll know, get you out of here. That's part of the fun and excitement of being management now, right? Yeah, man. But keep up the good work, guys. Oh, we appreciate you. it. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Cam. I hope you have a good weekend, man. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Huda Media Production.